0: Some of you are ready for the word today, yeah? Come on. I don't know about you. I'm excited about the word of God. Uh, it's the only thing that brings transformation. And uh, if you're joining us today, you're new. Uh, you're a guest of ours. Welcome. We love having you. It's so good to see the family here today. Love the family. Love the family of God, the body of Christ. That's what the church is. So let's dive in. Let's uh, let's ask God to bless what, what, what he wants to do here. Father God, we thank you. Your word is life. thank you that you've set a table. You have something for us today. I pray, God, today that you would change and transform our hearts. Help us to look more like you when we leave. Father, set us up for all that you want to do this year. We pause. We take a minute. We get ourselves ready. We get our spirits ready. We allow you to speak to, align, fashion, form, move us into where you want us so that we can See and do all that you've called us to this year. We love you, we honor you, and we praise you. And it's in Jesus' name. Everybody said, Amen. "Amen." Come on, everybody said, "Come on." I, I'm going to give you today. Um, I'm going to be real practical with you today. And I don't know about you, but some words to me have changed my life. That were just practical. That helped me step by step. And so I'm going to give you a, a few keys to living in the favor of God. Okay. Living in the favor of God. Can, can we all say that? Say, living, living in the favor, in favor. of God. God. Let's just say this. Say, favor. favor. Okay, favor. Favor is beautiful because favor, if you look up that word, it means gracious kindness. When you live in God's gracious kindness towards you, then it changes everything. It means approving consideration. Listen to this. Isn't that amazing? Overgenerous preferential treatment. I love that. I just love that, don't you? Overgenerous preferential treatment—an um, act of kindness beyond what is due or normal. That when God favors you, that His kindness toward you is overly generous and beyond what is due to you, or owed to you, or even normal. Isn't that powerful? How many of you want to live in the favor of God? I want to live in the favor of God. Favor ain't fair. Say, favor ain't fair. Favor. When God gives you favor, it, it, it's just a beautiful thing. So, um, this is all about preparing, prep for your next step. We talked about pause last week. And so, P is for presence. Uh, and here's how you facilitate the presence of God in your life when you live in His favor. Number one, I'm going to give you four things. Cultivate a lifestyle of worship. Say this with me. I want you to think about this. I want these are things to cultivate. These are things to grow in your life. Cultivate a lifestyle of worship. And, and notice how I said a lifestyle, not an experience. Notice how I said a lifestyle, not an act. Notice how I said a lifestyle, not a moment. A lifestyle is something that's ingrained in what you do. It is a habit. It is a rhythm. It is something that you're committed to. So, so Romans 12, 1 and 2, you'll know this one. It's a beautiful passage of scripture. Uh, it says, therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, To offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual or reasonable act of worship. Don't conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then, everybody say then. Then. There's a then. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good pleasing, and perfect will. So let's, let's, let's look at that. It says, offer your bodies as living sacrifices. A sacrifice was always meant to burn, right? Be refined by the love and the grace and the power of a wonderful and holy God. It says, holy and pleasing to God. Being a living sacrifice will cost you something. God's gonna burn up some things in your life. It's okay, you didn't need them anyway, and they were holding you back. But you got to trust the fire. Okay? you got to trust the fire. You're a living sacrifice. Living sacrifices are already dead. They're dead to themselves. They're dead to this world. They're alive in Christ. Are you with me? So, so, so when it says, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, he's saying, put yourself on the altar. The altar is a place of worship. The altar is a place of sacrifice. Uh, how do you sacrifice? Well, through a lifestyle of obedience. Listen, obedience is one of the ways that we show love to God. That's why John 14, 15 says, Jesus tells the disciples and says, if you love me, obey what I command. So I don't know about you, but but when Amy and I were planning to get married, spend a life together, that was 23 years ago, good grief. uh, One of the first things that came up was where we were going to live. When you love someone, you have to plan how you're going to make room for them in your life. Are you with me? In the case of Jesus, he doesn't just get a room in your life. He gets the whole house that is your life. Are you with me? So so if you if you confine Jesus to a room, Jesus, you can come here, but, but don't mess with this. You'll find that you have a transformed part, but not a transformed life. Are you with me? God might bless your finances, but your relationships are a mess. He... he are you following? I just, just want to help you here. Too, too many times we let God rent a room instead of giving him the keys to the house. And so obedience tells God you can have the life, the house that is my life. And, and he'll, he, he'll start getting rid of some stuff. He'll start banging some furniture around. He'll start moving some walls. That's why Jesus said in Revelation 3.20, Here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hears me, opens the door, I'll come in with, and eat with him and he with me. Notice how Jesus never promised to stay in one room. Are you following me? Jesus didn't promise to stay in a room. So, so when we, when, when he stands at the door and knocks and you, op- you open the door, he's going to start going places you didn't want him to go. How many of you, we ever had people over and, and you, and you kind of cleaned up downstairs? I can tell nobody's done that. You know what I'm talking about. You were throwing things in, in closets that, that, that you were just trying to wedge in the jaws of life. You probably left a kid in there, you, you know. But you know what I mean, you under the bed, whatever, but upstairs, God forbid, they're like, oh, I've never seen your house, and you're not going to, right? Upstairs is a no-go zone, right? Like, you're not going to see that mess, because you're going to judge me, Yeah. But but the reality is, Jesus is that guest, says, oh, thank you for inviting me to table, I'm just going to go check out the master bedroom. Master bathroom, ah. Uh. I don't know about you, but, but being married to a lady, there's lots of hair everywhere in the master bath, bath you know? And, and I don't know where it comes from because Amy still has a full head of hair, but, but there's, there's a lot there. You sometimes wonder, God, what would you think of that? Here's what I'd like to tell you. Jesus already knows what's in the master bathroom that's why he's Jesus. Let him do what he needs to do, right? So I want you to, I just want you to, you think about this for a minute. The, the one, the, there's three things that make up the accountability for our life. Time, talent, and treasure. Time, talent, and treasure. That, that when, when you get to, when you stand before the Lord, you stand before him alone, and he's going to ask you what you did with Jesus. You accept the grace that was given you. But time, talent, and treasure. That, the parable of the talents, if, and I don't have time to dive into that, but if you know what I'm talking about, you know. If you don't, man, I'd love to get you in a connect group because we talk about these things. But time, your schedule will be dictated by your values, and your values will be determined by your beliefs. You can say, I believe in the house of God, but if you're never investing in it in your time, then, then, then do you? If you truly value the presence of God, you'll schedule time with him. That's your daily devotional thing, which is something we're doing 21 days. Value the house of God, you'll spend time in it. If you truly value the things that Jesus does, you'll show love and speak the truth in love to others for others. There's, there's things that time does. You're, you're gonna answer for time. You're gonna answer for talent. And, and talent is something that, that every gift that you have is, de, is designed to glorify him. Every gift. It has nothing to do with, with elevating yourself. Nothing. It, it's there to glorify him. And and you you don't touch the glory. You give that to God. But you're going to answer. You and I will answer for these things. Treasure is another one. What he entrusts you with. Luke sixteen ten through eleven says this. Whoever can be trusted with little can also be trusted with much. Whoever is dishonest with very little will will be dishonest with much. So if you've not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? Do you realize a lot of times people come into church, come into Christianity, and they think that like uh, tithing, we we use that word, right? Giving 10% of what you have to God, to his house. That, That That is a baby step in your life. It's like one of the first fundamental steps. That's not a big step, that's a small step. That's why Jesus said, Who will entrust you with true riches? That's, a, that's not real riches. True riches are the riches of the kingdom of God it's insight, it's favor, it's grace, it's power, it's signs, wonders, and miracles. It's, it's, it's a pleasing life to God, it's moving the needle for the kingdom. So, so Jesus is using a very, and, and by the way, this is a lifestyle. So, so I want to encourage you if, you, if you haven't taken a baby step in tithing and offering, then do. But, but make it a lifestyle, not a moment. But also, that's the basic level. That's not even what God is, is, is ultimately getting you towards. Do you hear what I'm saying in, in that? So, awfully quiet in here. Notice the order. Offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. Be renewed, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. When, when, when you come into Christ, he changes your spirit, but then your spirit impacts your mind, your thoughts, your patterns, your worldview, how you see things, your attitudes, your, your beliefs, all of that. And, and that, in turn, starts to create different pathways in your heart and in your life to where you begin to what? Live a transformed life. Okay, but it says be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You're not going to be transformed unless you allow God to renew your mind through through your heart and your spirit. And then it says what? Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. A lot of times people go, I don't know what the will of God is. Well, that's because you've never had a transformed mind. You can't know what God's will is until your mind is transformed. Didn't you read, didn't you see the order? be transformed by the renewing of your mind, then, then, I don't know if you've ever heard this, uh, you know, maybe you did this with your kids, like, uh, clean your room, then I'll take you to go get a Sunday. Like, you don't get the ice cream before you clean the room. So so hear me now. uh, You don't know what God's will truly is until your mind is transformed. Doesn't work opposite. So, so, says, you'll be able to test it and approve of it. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Because some things look like the will of God, but aren't. That's why you need to test it. Right? So, so in that good, pleasing, and perfect will, I want to tell you, uh, number one, if you look at God's word, you'll find his purpose for your life. But if you, number two, if you have a renewed mind, then you'll allow the Holy Spirit to inform how to apply that word and how to know specifically in your every day how to live out that purpose. Are you following me? So it's both and, not one or the other. Cultivate a lifestyle of prayer. So we got cultivate a lifestyle of worship, cultivate a lifestyle of prayer. I'm gonna, Daniel 6, uh, 10 through 11 uh, is, is a great verse. We're gonna come back to it. So I'll just touch on it and then we'll come back to it. It says, when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, what was the decree? That the king of Babylon said, you cannot pray. The very thing Daniel did, He went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened towards Jerusalem. Three times a day he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God just as he had done before. Then these men went as a group and found Daniel praying and asking God for help. Um, He had a rhythm and a pattern of prayer, you know, and and he he served a higher king. And we'll get into that in a minute. But when you cultivate a lifestyle of prayer, it's a first response, not a last resort. You've heard me say that. Um, it's, it's, it's seeking God's will before you act, okay? And that's really, really important. If you're prone to action, if you're prone to control, a lot of times this will be hard for you and me. Notice how I included me in that. Um, I like to act and then sometimes pray, but the reality is, um, well, God gave me his mind, and that's true. But he also gave you the ability to ask him what he thinks. Both are important. Does that make sense? Okay. Cultivate a lifestyle of generosity. If you want to live in the favor of God, 2 Corinthians 8 says this. Brothers, I want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. Paul is actually talking to one church, bragging on another. Out of the most severe trial, I want you to hear these words, severe trial, they're overflowing joy in extreme poverty. Those two things don't typically go together, extreme poverty and overwhelming joy, right? So out of their extreme poverty, their severe trial, and their overwhelming joy, that welled up in rich generosity. Here are the, here, here are the terms there, rich generosity, extreme poverty. How does that work? Sacrifice, a lifestyle of generosity, They gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability entirely on their own. They pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this. I'm just going to tell you, it's rare when you're more like Jesus than when you're generous. What does the Bible say? God so loved the world that he gave. Giving is in the heart of God. It is just in the heart of God. That's why I show you what I show you. Our, our church believes that, that giving is at the heart of God. It's why we give. It's why we give. If you, if you want to cultivate the favor of God, determine to live a generous life. Determine to live a generous life. Cultivate a lifestyle of service. So we got a lifestyle of worship, a lifestyle of prayer, a lifestyle of generosity, and a lifestyle of service. Matthew twenty twenty five through 28, Jesus called them together and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them. Their high officials exercise authority over them. But not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. Whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Church, you will never live a fulfilled Christian life without service. Can't happen. When you find your place in the wall here, you find your place in the kingdom, you will be fulfilled in what God called you to do. So now that you know how to live in the favor of God, you also have to know how to protect it. And I want to teach you how to protect the presence of God. Number one, I'll just say this. I don't know about you, but I don't want the promise without the presence. I don't want the promise of God without the presence of God. Exodus 33, Moses Uh, God's fed up with Israel. He doesn't want anything to do with them anymore. And thank God that he's faithful to his promise. He doesn't act on how he feels. He acts on what he said. Wow. (laughs) Right? Life goals 2024. In Exodus 33, he actually tells Moses, I will give you the promised land. And I will wipe out every." foe in it, every enemy in it for you, but I'm not going with you because I am tired of these unbelieving people. And Moses has a choice to make. He's like, I can have, I can have it all, and I don't have to, you know, deal with the tension of God and these people and all that. And he says something interesting. He says, if you're not going, then don't send us. He could have had the promise, but he wouldn't have had the presence. But if you cultivate and protect the presence, then you'll always get the promise. Are you following me? If you cultivate and protect the presence of God in your life, then you'll always get the promise. How do you protect the presence of God? You walk in accordance with his ways, and you choose him above everything else. Two things, really simple, right? Simple to say, hard to do. That that I'm gonna choose God over everything else. Let me tell you, there will be a million choices this year that will that will position themselves to replace God in your life as the number one spot. One hundred percent. You're gonna to have to choose if you want to walk in his ways, number one, when the times get tough, and you have to choose him above everything else. Otherwise, he may give you the promise, but you won't have the presence. And the promise is meaningless without the presence. Are you following me? Don't, don't settle for anything less than the presence of God. Don't settle for anything less than the presence of God. Why? Because we're we're known by his name. Uh, I, Amy and I took our kids to New York City this year and, um, over the holidays. And Bella had never been. Colin hadn't been since he was a baby. And so... They're like, hey, uh, let's take you up there once you to see the city, and my kids are Southern kids. You know, they 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 have not really gone to cold places like that, and so we told Colin, we're like, homie, pack a pack a thick coat. He's like, Dad, I don't have a coat that thick. I said, well, I'm gonna get you big North Face. I'll give you my big North Face coat. Go wear that. I've got another one, and you know, that's gonna help you survive. And because we looked at the weather and it was bad. And we had that big snowstorm while we were up there and, and all the things. Right. And so the first night we get there, Colin is in a hoodie. That's it. And I said, boy, you're not going to make it back to the hotel from the pizza place. You don't realize what we've walked into here. Our blood's real thin, you know, It's <laughs> thick up here, you know. And um, and I mean, it was brutal. And, and he was like, I'll be fine. And like about halfway through, because we had to stand outside to wait for our pizza, like, you know, Colin's like half dead, you know. It's like fingers are black, you know. And, and, and Amy's chewing him out. And I'm like, he, honey, he's 20-year-old boy. Like, he he's a 20-year-old man. He, if he wants to walk that way, let him walk that way. He's going to learn a lesson. You know, Amy's like, why didn't you listen? Why did you? You know, and and, and I'm just kind of watching that dumpster fire, you know. Uh, <laughs> And waiting for my pizza. Pay no attention to the crazy people from the South, you know. And uh, funny, next day, Colin wanted that coat. It took him about two seconds to figure out he wasn't going to make it, right? And face cold like that. And, and you know, then it, there was, it, got, it started getting snow, and, and I'm going, you know, man. Here's what I want to tell you. You can pack a lot of things in your life. But it's all a choice and it will all replace something. He didn't have room for his coat because he packed a hoodie. And that might be good in Virginia, that ain't good in New York. You can pack whatever you want. Personally, evaluate the suitcase. I would not leave without the presence of God. Wouldn't do it. You're going to be left out in the cold, getting chewed out by your mama. (laughs) Left out in the cold dealing with things that, that, that you shouldn't have to, if you keep the presence of God front and center, if you say, I'm going to live a life in obedience to his word, then, then you will have what you need when you need it. Always choose the presence. Number two, don't give me the promise without the presence. Don't give me the position without the presence. Notice these are all things that Jesus was tempted in too, by the way. The Bible says, again, when Daniel learned that that decree had happened, went home giving thanks just as he had done before. Living to please God sometimes falls in conflict with the world. I remember in COVID, I had to make some very difficult decisions about how we were going to live as a church. And I was like, we're going to have church. You know, I mean, you know, I don't know. I think there's a king above the king, Right? You have to decide who you serve. But sometimes it will lead you into conflict. I want you to hear this. Daniel did not cover up the fact that he prayed. He did it in front of an open window. He didn't have a prayer closet. He had a prayer floor. He opened the window towards Jerusalem and it says he gave thanks as he had done before. Can can I just tell you, When you build healthy rhythms, what I love about 21 days of prayer and fasting, it gives you the opportunity to build healthy rhythms in your life again. When you build healthy rhythms in good times, you will remember them in bad times. Daniel had always prayed three times a day. So when a king passes an edict that contradicts his faith, what does he do? He prays three times a day. Now that landed him in, in, a, in a den full of lions, but I just happen to believe that God honors people that pray. He was living in the favor of God. And the very same king that threw him there, Daniel outlasted. Daniel made it through four kings before he died. Are you hearing me? He Why? Because he listened to the king of kings. And you're going to have to decide in your life what kind of rhythms do you want to build? Because if you build them in good times, you'll remember them in bad times. Daniel didn't want a position without the presence of God. He didn't want a position without the presence of God. He said, hey, even though I'm second in all of the land, I'm willing to give that up if it means that I've got to compromise my integrity. No problem. I'll give it up. I can give up that, that career, that, those finances, or, or that, that those accolades if... if, if I'm going to keep my integrity because because God honors, the presence of God honors integrity. Don't you know that? The presence of God blesses integrity. Number three, don't give me the praise without the presence. Don't you remember there were three Hebrew boys right with Daniel? The king said, hey, you know, I, I think I'd like for you to bow down to a statue I made. They said, no, we're not doing that. They said, we don't need to defend ourselves in this matter. You know why? Because You don't have to defend yourself if you've never committed an offense. Who do they live for? The king of kings. Not that king. What is God telling you to do? A lot of people will chase affirmation. You should live for an audience of one. What we need to be living for is well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. If you just look at your life, and say when I get to the end I just want to hear God say well done good and faithful servant enter into the joy of the Lord you're going to be good the moment you start seeing other people give that to you instead of him you're going to make decisions that will constantly shift if you don't have lines in the sand then the tide of, the tide of culture will wash them away you got to know what to defend. Are you with me? Know what to defend. If you don't have lines, you don't know what to defend. Don't all countries have borders? They know what to defend. Well, they're supposed to know what to defend. Right? Like, hey, this is mine. That's not. Come over here. We're going to have a problem. You come against my family, we're gonna have a right? Pe- people of God, you come against, you come against my faith, we're gonna have a problem. You come against, right? Like we know what to stand up for, so we'll defend it. If you don't have no lines, then culture will just wash that away, and you'll 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 very happily let the enemy steal what should be yours. Lines. The Hebrew boys just said, these are our lines. We don't have to defend ourselves. We're not doing that. So do whatever you got to do. And a lot of times we're trying to pray ourselves out of a situation, not knowing that God is waiting to meet us in the situation. Because they did not meet the fourth man in the fire until they went in the fire. I I I would pray myself out of that. Try to. 100%. You know, can't I not bow and not go into that? Is that an option? No. Not an option. Church, protect the presence of God in your life this year. And if you don't have it, invite it by cultivating a lifestyle of worship, a lifestyle of prayer, a lifestyle of generosity, and a lifestyle of service. Those four things, if you just did one of those four things, you're going to see something different in your life. If you do two of those four things, you'll see increased greatness in your life. If you do three of those four things, you're going to start to see blessing in your life. But if you do all four of those things, you will see the glory of God in your life. Are you with me? I know it's real practical, but I just feel like if you have some steps to take home with you this year, you can see amazing things happen. Would you bow your heads with me today? Our prayer team's gonna come, and, and, and they're, gonna, they're gonna bring the presence down if you need prayer, if you need healing today. But I'll just invite those who might not have the presence of God in their life. You know, presence of God, you kind of feel like you're uh, on the outside looking in, through a glass, through, through a mirror. Man, wouldn't 2024 be amazing if we just decided to give Jesus our life today? You know, not, not just believing in him, but surrendering to him. Wouldn't it be amazing if we just said, God, you can have it all. And if there's people here today, there usually are online, I want to encourage you to say a prayer with me that surrenders your life to God and asks for forgiveness of the life that you've lived. Apart from Christ, we're all sinners. By his grace, he transforms us into saints. So today, you can start a relationship. You can know abundant and eternal life. You can accept the grace that Jesus offers by making him Lord and Savior of your life. You can walk out different. You can start to have a renewed mind and know the purpose and plan of God for you. We do that through prayer. Our whole church is going to help you meet Jesus today. At the end of it, I'm going ask you to raise your hand and confirm that you said that prayer, you meant it in your heart. Would you pray with me today? Nice and loud and bold before a God that's waiting to receive you. Say, dear God, forgive me of my sin. I give my life to you. I believe in you, Jesus. That you paid a price I couldn't. That you rose from the dead. That you conquered death and hell. I receive your grace as I make you my Lord and Savior, Jesus. Thank you for saving me, cleansing me, and giving me a new start. In Jesus' name, amen. If you say that for a minute in your heart right now, would you just raise your hand so that I could see that. It's really, really important that you acknowledge that, that you welcome that. Thank you. Appreciate that. Come on. Nice and high. I want to make sure we get everybody. Thank you. Come on, let's give them a hand today.